Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Welcome in. It is a Friday morning, and man, we got a lot of stuff to get to today. We are going to talk a little jazz today. I don't know if you heard this, but uh, Gail Miller, jazz owner, says she believes this jazz at some point will win an NBA championship. We got the question up on Facebook. What is your reaction? Your reactions are all over the map. Some of you think she's right. Some of you say, well, yeah, but will she? Will the Jazz win a champion while she's alive? And then others, a little more selfish, I might add, will they win a championship while I'm alive? <laughs> oh, man. And then we got some, at some point, can never be disproven. Well, that's true. At some point. You know, everybody's going to get one at some point. The truth is, almost two-thirds of the league has a title now. And about one-third doesn't. And the teams that don't are mostly teams like the Jazz, who came into existence in the 70s or 80s. Uh, Toronto was the 19th of the 30 active teams. They were the 19th team to win the title. And there's another five teams, including the Jazz and the Suns and the Knicks, who have been to the NBA Finals but have not won. And then there's a half dozen teams that have never been there. Teams that came in in the ABA expansion, you know, the Pacers have been one time, the Nuggets haven't been yet. They came in in the mid-70s, a little after the Jazz were an expansion team. So I have to say I expect that they will get there. I think, it, I think the, the sun shines on every dog one day. Every dog has its day. I don't have any more dog cliches for you, so you have to go with those two. But it's early. we we, we got almost four hours here to come up with that third cliché. So, yeah, at some point I think they will. Uh, but the odds are clearly stacked against them. Um, you know, in this era, and, you know, eras come and go and rules change and things change. So things don't always stay the same. But we have had a good run here where California, Texas, and Florida have dominated. Uh, warm weather states, big cities, some glamour cities. And, you know, the Sacramentos and the Orlandos have not won. And I don't know the San Antonio's that glamorous, but they hit it right, got a couple of number one picks. Then hit on a couple of late picks, and after winning two titles with the big guys, you know they hit on a couple of guys who were really good foreign players late and scored some more titles. So the Spurs got their five, but you know Lakers, Warriors, Heat, Glamour destinations, and great teams, and they've killed it. So they've won 17 of the last 21 titles, and everybody else in two thirds of the league that's not in California, Texas, or Florida, yeah, they won. They've won four titles. So, it's an uphill battle. It is an uphill battle. I, I think instead of focusing on that, which we're going to focus on this morning, so, you know, I guess I'm part of the problem. Instead of focusing on that, I, I would just look at this team. I, I think there's, I think that you got three distinct things you can look at with the Jazz. You look at this year, where they should be better, and I think the Western Conference is a good goal. I think next year, when these guys have had a chance to play together, Donovan Mitchell gains more experience, hopefully, presumably, possibly, probably, Depending on who you are, you'll pick one of those four words. Um, I think I'd go with possibly. There'll be a deeper playoff run and more playoff experience, and that kind of sets them up for next year. And then the third thing is after that, it's a total reset. There are so many guys in the NBA, and there's so much money available. Uh, there, there's only going to be like five teams that have major cap room next year, and only one of them is in the West. It's Memphis. The other four are all in the East. None of them are glamour de- destinations. Number of the te- none of them are teams that are very close to a championship right now, except for Toronto because they got one right in their rearview mirror. But obviously, you know they lost a <laughs> they lost the biggest piece of the puzzle. 
And I just don't think people are going to be running to Memphis or Cleveland or Charlotte. Maybe Atlanta one day could be a destination in the way the Warriors weren't for a long time and then became one. Um, so all bets are off then when you get three years out. So well, you know, what can the Jazz do this year and how can they build on it both internally and you know maybe adding a role player or two externally uh, next year? I think that's what we need to focus on. Could there be a title in there? Sure. It seems like once every five or six years um, – or every 10 years, uh, a team breaks through that you really don't expect. It, it was the, the Raptors. Um, and then you go back to a previous decade, and it was the Detroit Pistons. So it happens. Uh, we'll keep our eye on that. Uh, we got some football to talk about today. Uh, NFL, a lot of preseason games last night. How about Kyler Murray? Mr. All-Everything at Oklahoma. Mr. Heisman Trophy winner. Number one pick, Arizona Cardinals, makes his debut one series. They treated him just like a veteran starting quarterback. He went 6-7 for 44 yards. They took over with horrific field position. They were backed up at like their own two-yard line. And he drove him out to midfield, had a couple penalties along the way, took a sack, uh, didn't run. Um, you know, basically threw a lot of quick passes, you know, get the ball out and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I think he scrambled once in that drive and then threw it. Um, so, you know, it was nice. I mean, it's one possession in a preseason game. That's not much to go on. But what you go on, it looked good. You know, okay, 6-7 to seven for 44 yards. You move the ball a little bit, and you're done for the night. Um, and then there was the rugby player. I don't know if you saw this story, kind of the weird moment of the night. Um, so the NFL is trying to grow the game internationally. And we know that. And they are trying to um, <clears throat> find some international players because obviously that will help. It, presumably a player who, uh, you know, comes from a foreign country, you know, people in that area, it'll be a curiosity, it'll attract some attention. So Christian Wade has been a rugby player. And now he's trying, at least from England, and now he's trying at the age of 28 uh, to break in. And they gave him the ball once, and they blew open a big hole, and he ran 65 yards for a touchdown. Uh, there wasn't much wiggle. He didn't have to break tackles. It was blocked up pretty well. It was a good hole. Um, you know, I don't know. It's a nice story. I suppose when the season starts, we won't remember it, and none of you are going to be, unless he does something spectacular in the next three weeks, none of you are going to be spending fantasy draft picks on him. So... We'll see how that goes. But, you know, for one night, it was an odd story. It was, uh, it was good. It was kind of interesting, I guess. It was, it was different, that's for sure, you know. Um, baseball, <laughs> you know, in the year of the home run, we got doubles records, people. Uh, we just did a Sports Jeopardy earlier this week about all the you know, sons of uh, professional athletes who've made it big. In the case of Carl Yastrzemski's uh, grandson with the Giants. And we mentioned Bo Bichette in that because there's three sons of major leaguers playing for the Blue Jays. And Dante Bichette's son, Bo Bichette, is one of them. And so now he's got an MLB record. He just home, or he just, excuse me, he just, in the year of the homer, he just doubled in his ninth consecutive game. I don't know what you get for that. It's kind of an oddity. Um, but hey, it beats uh, you know beats a bazillion more strikeouts. It's a positive. It's a little something uh, to add in there. Um, the Yankees' win streak continues. Uh, they just they can't be stopped. Uh, give them another win. Uh, they they had no problem. I mean, they're just scoring so many runs. It's hard to believe that this is going to happen in the playoffs. They won twelve to six last night. Just battering, battering the Blue Jays. Now they beat the Orioles fourteen to two. Uh, before that, they had a couple of nine-run games against the Orioles. Um, in this win streak, 
uh, only the Red Sox have tamed them a little bit. Red Sox held them to four runs in one game. But they've had three nine-run games, a 12, a 14. And they are just scoring buckets of runs. And I know it's a big year for the home run and the ball's juiced or the players are or something weird's going on, whatever it is. Uh, but, you know, it, it is for everybody. So at least it's level competitively in the Yankees. Nine straight wins. I mean, they don't really need to do this. You know, they're they're running away and hiding there. I mean, they haven't clinched, I guess, until you clinched. You gotta but they're they're ten and a half games clear of Tampa Bay. I mean, they got a double digit lead in their division. They're 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 good to go. What they're doing really is battling Houston to see who gets home field if they both win in advance to the uh, American League Championship series. So all right, DJ and PK, gotta take a break. We got more to come. We got to talk. We're going to talk a little football this morning, and we got to talk a little basketball too. We got to talk a little Donovan Mitchell. Stay with us. It's 97.5 and 1280 the zone. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Jordan Pendleton joins us now, former BYU linebacker and owner of Pendleton Performance. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Jordan, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys doing? We're doing well. Uh, we're a little fatigued with camp. We're ready for games, but eh, we'll just have to tough it out. <laughs> I can imagine. So I'm always intrigued by, uh, you know, former players. Uh, some of them know coaches. They know players who know coaches. Old teammates talk about what the alma mater is looking like. What do you know about BYU that the rest of the public probably doesn't because you're better connected? Yeah, no, I, I honestly, I, I try and stay out of it as much as I can, but I do work with quite a few players down there. And, you know, from what I hear, things are looking really good and really optimistic. I think, you know, we had a we had some some key kind of pivotal points last year where we we had a young quarterback and some young receivers and, and some young talent that that showed out really well and I think a lot of people are looking forward to seeing that kind of expand this year and, and what they can do this year and, and we also have some good leaders, some good, you know, seniors that that uh are are able to kind of lead these young kids and and so I think I think honestly I mean it's hard to say just because our schedule is so tough but I think we're definitely going to be competitive this year and I think BYU can you know have a really solid year this year if they do every you know if they if they can put it together it seems like, Jordan, we've gone through a trend to back off the physicality of training camps. How much hitting and live contact is appropriate to prepare you for the season? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough question because, you know, you really can't simulate game situations unless you practice those types of situations. And so it's one of those things where, like, if you want to be a good tackler – or a good pass rusher, or, you know, you want to learn how to get off blocks, you have to practice that. It, it's not something that you can just show up and do. But with that comes 
you know, a lot of physicality throughout camp, which leads to a lot of injuries. People can get hurt. And, you know, so it's kind of a gift and a curse. I don't know if there is a the correct volume of, of how much you should do. I think coaches are getting smarter now, though, and, and, and understanding kind of the minimum effective dose. Like, how much can we have these guys bang into each other so that we can get better, but at the same time not make it so that our guys are dropping off and they're getting injured. And, you know, it's just a, it's a good balance of listening to the players and, and you know, seeing that feedback from the way that they feel and, and the way that their bodies are recovering on a day-to-day basis. A lot of coaches really talk about visualization, putting yourself through it mentally, just closing your eyes, seeing the whole thing happening. How, what, how much do you believe in that, and how much do you think you've actually got to be there, and how much can you really replicate stuff mentally? Yeah, I know I'm a, I'm a huge believer in that, and I think, I think uh, you know it, it can go a long way, and I think it, it definitely is, is effective to put yourself in certain situations and see how you would react. But at the same time, you know, there's elements to the game that you can't really it, – it's a reactive sport, and you have to be able to react. And so you might, you might see something, and then something else happens at the blink of an eye, and you've got to be able to react and make that play. And so as much as I believe in, in visualizing, you know, the game and the situation, I also – you know, you also have to put in a lot of practical work as well because there, there's a reaction component to the game where you have to be ready to kind of, you know, change direction or or switch your mindset on any given play based off what the offense or, or the defense is doing. Right, so you do all that stuff in terms of training guys physically. How much can you train someone mentally to be prepared for that moment when it arrives? Well, I think there's a lot to, to be said with the, the mental component of the game. I think you, you know, you can train a kid a, a lot, man, because part of the, part of the, the process is, is you, could, you could know the defense or the offense inside and out, and you could feel prepared from an X's and O's standpoint. But if you don't believe in yourself, if you don't believe in your ability – and you're you have doubts, and you're playing slow, and you're and you're not playing fast, and you're not you're not running around. Um, you know, it's it, it can be a tough game, and so I think you know the mental side of the game becomes a huge a huge component. And I think uh, I think a lot of kids actually that's what most kids struggle with is that side. You know, with all the pressure and the stress and and everything that comes with it. And I think, you know, the teams that are, are really successful have very good, you know, sports psychologists on their teams, guys that can help them with that component of their game because it, it's really important, especially nowadays with social media and just, you know, all the, all the crap that's going on. You know, we've heard from college and pro, basketball and football, coaches, GMs, whatever, that the off-season workouts are critical. The guys can improve so much in the off-season. And you have the kind of job where you're, you're working guys out in the off-season and you, and you see them. Are there guys that you have big expectations for this year that maybe we don't because you've seen what they've done away from the field? Yeah, you know, one, one guy I'm really looking forward to watching this year is Austin Lee. 
on uh, BYU, BYU safety. And, you know, he's – when I first got him, it was like four years ago, and the kid is a phenomenal athlete. He really is a, a very explosive, high-level athlete. And, you know, when he transferred over, it, it kind of took him a minute to find his spot. He battled with a couple injuries. And I just feel like this year, like – mentally and and physically he's you know finally getting healthy he had some surgeries he had to have last after last season i just think from a leadership standpoint and um you know him being in that leadership role i think he's going to have a big year and even though he's a little bit older uh the dude is still a <laughs> he's a physical specimen and so you know i i expect him to have a, a very big year and i'm excited to watch him have you trained quarterbacks? Yeah, I mean, I, I have, yes. Like, I, I worked with uh, Tanner uh, Magnum quite a bit, and I've worked with some of those guys, but not a whole lot. Because the reason why I'm, I ask is that that position, getting back to that mental stuff, I mean, that just seems so critical. And I'm wondering how much – when I say get in guys' heads, I don't necessarily mean it from the negative to – get them all confused but actually I, I mean it from the opposite side get in their head to make it positive for them yeah no quarterback that's the man that's the if there's one position that could rely on help with in that area that's that's the position right there I mean we've we've seen it, even Tanner Magnum come out the last couple of years with you know kind of his mental health issues that he struggles with and you, you know, you can see how that would affect your performance, especially at that position where the uh, the stakes are so high, the pressure is so high, and everybody, you know, the wins and losses are you're you're a big reason for those wins and losses, whether you were the reason or not. You know, just being the quarterback on the team, being the leader on the team, uh, it presents those challenges, and you have to. Deal with it, and I think you know our our kid right now at quarterback Zach Wilson. He seems like a super confident kid. You know, he seems like he's he's very um, you know confident in his abilities and in himself, and 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 I think it's it's exciting to see. Um, you know, the last quarterback we had that was like that was uh, Max Hall. You know, and I think Max did really well. So I'm hoping uh, I'm hoping Zach can continue to keep doing what he's doing. Do you know much about some of the younger quarterbacks behind him? Um, I do not, honestly. Jordan Pendleton joining us, former BYU linebacker and owner of Pendleton Performance. As a uh, as a linebacker, what do you see from that group? As a former linebacker, what do you see from that group? Yeah, you know, I think uh, I think you know every year somehow BYU just has awesome linebackers you know year in and year out where we've I, I feel like every year we've been sending somebody to the NFL and um you know we we definitely are I don't think we're gonna have the talent as far as that one guy you know your Fred Warner or your your Sione Takitaki like we're not gonna have that guy but I think by committee I think we're gonna be very good um you know, we got we got some guys that are, you know, they're physical, um, they're 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 decent athletes, and I think by committee, I think we're going to do 
a good job, but I just don't think we have that guy, that Fred Warner this year. Years ago, when the program was going through the real bad times from 2002 to 2004, you know, I'm working for the Tribune at the time, and it seemed like I couldn't go anywhere where I ran, wouldn't run into a former BYU football player, and they would be disgusted about the state of the program because they had put so much sweat equity into building that thing that they just couldn't stand that it was that bad. And now, you know, they had the bad year a couple years ago, but you know, halfway, at least somewhat respectable last year, and they have an opportunity to, to build upon that. But... They've lost eight in a row to the Utes, the dreaded Utes. You're a local kid, obviously. You interact probably with some, I know you got a family member who's a former BYU player. Has there been discussion the way there was with me from 2002 to 2004 of just complete and total irritation and being furious about all the losing that was going on then as opposed to now all the losing to Utah? Have you heard much about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I would be lying if I said that I didn't. And, and, it, and it, you know, a lot of it does have to deal with Utah just because it's been eight years and that rivalry has kind of been an embarrassment on our end. But I think just overall, you know, just the overall vibe and the culture of the team, has it, it's different. And I think a lot of guys get – you know, they get upset about that because, you know, when I went in as a freshman, you know, that's when the program was really starting to develop. And then, you know, my five years there with a redshirt year and, and four years of playing, you know, we won over 50 games. And, and, but when I got there, it was all that culture was already being established. And I saw how hard those guys worked to build that, your Brian Kills, your David Nixons, your Cameron Jensen, um, you know, I, I, your, your John Becks. Like, I saw these guys and how hard they worked to build that culture. And now it was up to me and my teammates to carry on that tradition. And, and I thought we did a very, you know, decent job at it. We had a lot of 11-2 and two seasons, 10-3. and three. Um, We had one bad year, but to see the program kind of where it's at now is it's extremely frustrating. And I think part of it is because the culture is just not the same. It's, it's different. And kids, I think expect to just come in and win because they're playing at BYU. And that's not the case because they didn't see what went into building that program, the way that coach Mendenhall was building it. As far as Utah goes, it's just embarrassing at this point. I think the last time we won was my sophomore year and that was 2009, and, you know, it's just – it's one of those things where, you know, our motto down at BYU is, like, we want to protect our home field. We want to win the rivalry. Like, we want to win the in-state rivalries, Utah State and Utah. And the last couple of years, we've done a lousy job at doing that. And, uh, and I think we need to take more pride in these games, and we've got to come out on top at some point. How much are you frustrated by the fact, though, that the recruiting field isn't even? I mean, BYU just can't promise access to big bowl games. And teams that are never going to go to them can still promise access to it and, you know, promote the dream, even if it's not going to be reality. And when you don't have that power, the Power Five conference brand behind you, do you feel like you're kind of fighting the battle with one arm tied behind your back? 
that's a that's a good point. I mean, it, it is what it is. You know, I think there, there's it's one of those things that's out of our control. And you know, if you play at BYU, yeah, you can look at Utah and say, all right, well, they have way better athletes. They they're you know they get to recruit whoever they want, and and it's true. You know, it, it is hard to win at BYU, and I'm not making any excuses for them, but it is hard to win with the limitations that they have. And, you know, but at the end of the day, it's something that's out of the player's control. You know, when they, when, when those kids wake up in the morning, they put their pants on just like the other kids. And, you know, they've got to, they've got to find a way um, to, to come out on top. Like they're, they're good enough to compete with those athletes and you know we've we've got to find a way and and you know what like utah state's been beating us up and you know you can't tell me that utah state is you know a a better school as far as recruiting i mean they might get better faster athletes you know some fast guys that didn't really make it to like a you know a usc or a texas or one of those schools And, and they get some good athletes but over overall you know I don't think Utah State is like a destination for a lot of kids over, you know, Brigham Young. So I, I think it's something that's out of our control, and we've got to fight past that. Jordan, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me on. There's Jordan Pendleton, the former BYU linebacker. When we come back, PK and I are talking basketball. What? How is that possible? Uh, We'll tell you next. Stay with us. Of course, it has to do with Donovan Mitchell. Of course it does. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. PK, in the midst of all this football, basketball just won't go away. No, it will not, and particularly the Jazz. The Jazz will not go away. I was talking to my wife. I said, right now, as we go through practices with college football, that's nice. I said, but what I find myself right now more excited about the Jazz season than the start of college football season. Now, that'll change in a couple of weeks when it's game week and we get down to the stadiums and the kids run out and all that stuff but right now I'm more excited about jazz basketball because what they've built and have the potential to be and a couple weeks ago I was golfing right and I go in check in and a guy behind the counter says hey Mr. Kinahan you know so clearly he recognizes me right I get it and so we're talking and just about golf, blah, blah, blah. And he says, hey, can I ask you one question? No. And, Give me my golf balls. I'm out of here. I said, sure. Oh, okay. And my wife's always on me. Be nice. Be nice in public. Be nice in public. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so, <laughs> don't be your usual. So I said, sure. And he said, so am I wrong in having extremely high anticipation for the jazz season? 
So it wasn't about football. It was about the jazz. And the point I took from that is don't ever underestimate the jazz, particularly right now. Right. And I think anticipation is different than expectation. He didn't say expectation. I know. And I think that's a really key. Most of the time, I think you can lump those two together. And people think people frequently do. But this time, you definitely shouldn't. The anticipation for what could be done, what might happen, should be really high. The expectation that it will happen, I think everything's in play. I think they can get beat in the first round. I think they can be in a conference final. And then once you're in a conference final, you're so deep and th- so many things change, as we saw in the playoffs just this past year. Maybe they'll go beyond that. But a conference final would be a huge accomplishment for a team that hasn't been in one in a decade and has only been in one since Stockton Malone and the glory days and the trip to the 98 finals. It would be getting a conference final would be a big accomplishment. But in a conference where there's six teams that have legit anticipation, well, at least two of them must go out in the first round, which will be a horrible disappointment for whoever it happens for. Uh, yeah, actually, injury might dictate that, though, so it'll be an obvious Could be. conclusion. Sure. If one of the six gets, uh, gets, gets wrecked by injuries, yeah. then we'll know a little earlier whenever the injuries happen. Or, yeah, they have injury during the, like the Warriors right. it this could, year. It could be game... 25 and your team can get thrashed or it could actually happen inside the series as it's happening so there'll be some level of acceptance because of the circumstance Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah the anticipation of this season is extremely high for for good reason i usually my wife's a school teacher we usually take vacation the first week she's out Mm -hmm. you know celebrate the end of the school year let's go i told her i said we may want to may want to rethink that this year because they could be playing not out of the realm. When does school get out? Uh, first week of June. Yeah. Not what? out of the realm. Stretch, but not out of the realm. Because some of the districts now, and I can't keep track of it now, because there's like a two-week swing when school ends in Utah, depending on what district you're in. Like, if you have a district that's out in May... Yeah, but either Somebody. way, it's going to be the conference finals or the NBA finals. Yeah, there it is. The conference finals, is it's in play. It's, not you gotta, it's either going to be one or the other. Yeah, conference finals is in play. So I question. actually think, for me, I will have higher expectations next season than this season. Totally understand that. But I still have high expectations for this season. Yep. Just I would expect my expectations to be higher next year. And there's a chance to build on it, certainly. Right. And... We'll see. Partly because of them, these guys all getting used to playing together and haven't been through it together, and then a chance to add another piece of the puzzle. Maybe a young guy develops, maybe acquire somebody, whatever. Those are, yeah, definitely. I I do know they're trying to expedite the process. There's constant communication between the coaching staff and the players. Uh, I can verify that, that uh, Conley's doing everything possible to make this as quick as possible, the transition of getting the guys together. He, from what I'm hearing from top level people, is that he has embraced this opportunity 100%. Very encouraging. Yes. Right. And he's coming in with a sense of something to prove. Right. And it's one thing to say, hey, I can be there whenever you need me. When do you need me? And it's another thing to say, hey, let's get this together. How quick can we get there? Let's get everybody. Right. He's taking 
I wouldn't say ownership of the team, but I would say a leadership capacity. He's already taking. He's a veteran guard. That's who you expect it out of. I mean, other guys can do it, but you expect a veteran guard to be a leader. Uh, particularly in this situation when he's coming to a team that has two very good players, but both are younger. Mm-hmm. And he's not younger. He's 31 years old. So he is coming into a situation where he understands what needs to happen, and he's embracing that and trying to get it going as much as possible so when game one starts, they can be as ready as possible. And that's a long season, and you want to build anyway. No matter how good you are in October, you want to be better in April, and it stands to reason that you should be better in April. But there is a lot of anticipation that he has and a lot of responsibility accepting that and wanting to do all that he can. I I have extreme high hopes for him in terms of, I don't know statistically necessarily, but in terms of wins and playing his best ball, this is the season and the next year too. And that's, he's got two years left on his deal and we'll see beyond that. You know, with Donovan, uh, we got this USA basketball thing happening. How much do you think that's going to be a positive for his development? And how much would you prefer? I mean, it's not going to happen, but you prefer, man, I wish, I wish he and, you know, a handful of other jazz players were just working out, working on specific individual or small group skills together so that they were really geared up for the season. Yeah, well, that's never going to happen anymore because. There's so many foreign guys, and they have their foreign responsibilities that they take care of in the summer. It's the way the league is set up. We know Joe Ingles in Australia and the World Cup in basketball in China, so he's going to be involved in that, and Rudy Gobert. So you're never going to have that. You're going to have it to a degree, but you're going to have it and where they're going to go for large chunks of the time. So given that that's the world in which we live in right now, and the Jazz have invested heavily into the foreign market as far as foreign talent, I think having Mitchell be on this team practicing with these guys and this coaching staff is actually a blessing for a couple of reasons. One is we know that the Jazz have patterned themselves a lot off of the San Antonio situation, the philosophies and actual X's and O's, and Popovich is running the show there. So you're hearing probably some of the same messages that's being instituted from Popovich that Quinn Snyder has already and Dennis Lindsay have already put in. So it's reinforcing. So you're doing that and you're playing with a high level of player who, you know, we've seen a number of guys drop out. And so what does that mean for the actual competition? So I think it gives the guys who are there a greater edge in that they want to show, hey, wait a second. Oh, guys, uh, you know, Durant's a bad example because he's injured. But if Steph Curry doesn't show up, well, we're just as good. I'm just as good. And our team can be just as good and be great. So it gives those guys an edge. And then I think that thirdly, uh, the more publicity you get for the Jazz, the better it is. So then you got a guy like Bogdanovich who's saying, well, of course I want to go there. I looked at the roster and I saw the roster. And he already knew it, that they have a lot of talent. And then you can get guys like Jeff Green and Ed Davis. Well, of course I want to go there because I know that they're going to win. And I know Mitchell is there. And so it brings nothing but good. And the word gets even spread more about the situation. So I believe this is an absolute benefit 
to have Mitchell be associated with this team. Yeah, I buy all that. And I think also add to the list, you know, we know that uh, Gordon Hayward had a lot of things on his mind about why he wanted to leave. But one of them was, how big a star can you be in Utah? So you need the, you need the Defensive Player of the Year award. I don't know what it's worth specifically. Because you're either, you know, whatever you do on the court, you do it, and then you get a trophy for it later. Great. Well, you already did the work on the court. But to know that you can go to Utah and be the defensive player of the year, and you can go to Utah and end up playing for USA Basketball, uh, you need those things in the mix. Because if the answer to those is if you go there, you can't do those things, top-level players and players with big goals are going to steer away, steer away from there. Right, you've got to give them reasons to come, and they, the Jazz are providing that. And, you know, it's one thing to get a 31-year-old like Conley who isn't interested in messing around. He's interested in playing ball and winning. And you can get those types, you know, Joe Johnson types and Green and Davis. You know, they've got no problem coming here. Uh, and I always felt like, to me, 30's the magic age. If you ever were a kid, you are no longer a kid at 30. So I would expect every 30-year-old to be mature. There shouldn't be a lot of difference in maturity from 30 to 38, what have you. You may have some different life experiences, depending on your kids and whatnot. But you should be in the same ballpark, where I would go from 22 to 30 to be massive. So my point is, you've got the older guy in uh, Green, Davis, Conley, the older African-American dude who, of course, he's going to be here. He's got no problem being here. It's a history of that. But you also got Mitchell, who's a kid. And if Mitchell is interested in having a little bit of a social life and a nightlife and those types of things, well, I get that. And so to have him spread the good word, so you got like two generations, basically, the, old, the over 30 and the under 25. And if both sections and segments can be happy here, then what's wrong with you? Why can't you be happy here? And that's the collective you, of course. So having him get this publicity and spread the word, and that's where we hear that these dream teams were basically hatched when they're together in the summers. We've heard that multiple times. You get to know the- Mitchell, and you see he's an unselfish kid. He wants to get in that. So I saw the clip yesterday, uh, you know, the lob and the dunk and all that stuff. And yeah, that's going to build relationships, and relationships are what it's about when you're out there trying to attract people. The one thing I do see watching this USA basketball team, and this is where I wonder, you know, stars win in the NBA playoffs. And it's great that he's on the team now, but there's a whole team full of stars, some of whom have playoff success, some of whom have not, who've passed. So does it bug you that it took him this long to end up on the team? Are we as local media, local fans, overvaluing him? That's an easy thing to do with a local athlete. Oh, he's 22 That's years an old, old story. Old man. 22 years old. He's just a kid. He's just barely getting started. I can't answer that question accurately until he's 25. Anything you get now is good because you're just barely getting started. It's still gravy. Yeah. And you didn't come in the league with a Zion Williamson type of hype. Right. You, were, you weren't Anthony Davis. No. You were, I mean, you're the 12 picks, not like your dog meat, but you're basically that's, under the radar. Right. But that's different than being. Yeah. And no, one, nobody really one. built you yeah. up in college. I didn't hear much about him in college. No, the fact he played his second year alone, that separates him out from a bunch of top-tier guys. Yeah. The right. automatic one and duns. Right. Yeah, and they get all the run and get all the publicity. And you know, When was the biggest story of college basketball last year? Zion Williams. Blowing his shoe out. <laughs> <laughs> 
know, it's like you, you knew what he had for lunch every day. It was ridiculous. I mean, that, but that's the way it is. Mitchell didn't get that. So his is going to take a little time to build his brand and to be invited and to be able to participate building it right now is gigantic. And then the experience of playing organized ball, team ball, where you're held accountable. And, you know, when you go out and play pickup ball and or do your drills on your own, are you really completely held accountable? Well, in the pickup ball? No. Whereas here, you're held I, accountable. I saw some video of pickup ball he was playing earlier, and I remember thinking the intensity there just isn't there. Right. I don't know what you're getting out of this. Yeah, you're working out. You're getting you're, some aerobic You're running. Stuff, you are doing that. Absolutely. You got the heartbeat going. Yeah. I get that. You know, you're, you're breaking a sweat and all that. That's great. But the guys defensively, yeah. Right. Here, yeah. if you just let somebody go right around you, you're going to go sit down. And there will be pressure, maybe not early in the tournament. There'll be some, you know, 30-point blowouts. But in these tournaments, there tends to be pressure later. Until you're going to run into some pretty good teams later in the tournament. You're the U.S., you're expected to win. But that's good. There'll be some expectations on him. And there'll I, be some pressure. I see no negative. Because I think there's still plenty of time to work on your individual games along with being in this concept. Because you're going to be in the gym. This is now your life here for the next several weeks. So if you're looking to party or do some other stuff, well, then don't do it. So you're going to be in the gym. You're going to have guys rebounding for you or you know offering some resistance, and you can work on stuff. You know what you need to work on. Snyder's told you what you need to work on, and you already know it anyway. You got up there last year and said, I need to be in better shape. Well, this should help with that. Absolutely. Getting in game shape. Yeah. And when you have guys representing your country on these teams, that means they're good, which usually means when they go back to their other teams, those teams are good. You know, Boozer and Williams did it, and they had a good run. They were good teams. That's the last conference final. And there were a couple couple other teams that won playoff series. Yeah, and Hayward did it, and he was on a good team before he took off. Same thing here. An absolute positive. I'm glad he's there. I like seeing the clips and the stories that are out there. I try to read them. Normally, I wouldn't care that much about practice, but because he's there, it draws me in. And maybe Popovich will say something that uh, he holds on to. Or it'll reinforce what he's already been said. he's already hearing. Yeah. Wow, that's exactly what Quinn says. Right. There's a good chance it's really true. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, there's no doubt. An absolute positive. I, I would have to search for something negative, and I can't find any. And normally, well, it's a, if we open this, the tip of my if, tongue. If we open this up and we go to Twitter, I think the first thing, I don't think we're going to hear much because basically people don't want to say anything negative about Donovan. They're too in love with him. They're going to look away from any warts. They're not going to put a spotlight on anything. But I think the one will be, well, what if he gets hurt? Like, well, he'd be playing pickup games anyway, and he might come down on somebody's foot there. So to me, that's a wash. I mean, he might get hurt, you know, but you might get hurt playing a five-on-five game somewhere away from all the spotlights. He might just be in L.A. in some pickup game. trip off a curb. Yeah. So. You can't build your life around that, particularly when you've had no history. Exum is another story. This kid is not. All right. There it is. A little bit of basketball in a sea of college football. 20 days out now from the start of the local college season, which means... 
15 days out from competitive D1 football. A Pac-12 team playing. A Mountain West team playing. Arizona and Hawaii. Week zero. All right, a little hoops for you. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Up next, what is trending? All the headlines are on the way. Stay with us.